0: Pastor's not here, so he, he said I could preach today. So I'm excited uh, that I get to preach. Obviously, uh, Kristen's wedding, his daughter's wedding, uh, was yesterday. It was a great time out there, and they're taking a little bit of vacation. But I am honored to get to share uh, God's word with you this morning. So if you got your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And as you turn in there, let me ask you a question this morning, and you can show me by raise of hands. Uh, how many of you have ever had a hard time sharing your faith before? You can go ahead. Good. I'm not alone in this room, right? Uh, it can be difficult sometimes because, you know, we're, we're always worried about what's that person going to think of me, or maybe I don't have the right words to share, or is this the right timing, and we second-guess ourselves, and we doubt ourselves, and it can become difficult. But it's weird because we do have the best news the world has ever known. We have the secret to eternal life, news that will give a lifetime of joy and strength, and yet oftentimes our pride still gets in the way, and that fear gets in the way, and that unknown gets in the way from stopping us from telling other people about Jesus because we just don't know how are they going to think about us. In the end, it's not about us. It's about Jesus, and it's about helping them introduce them to Jesus and change their lives. So I think oftentimes we can overthink it when it comes to sharing our faith and overthink it. I've done it a million times. I've overthought it too much. I'm like, ah, what can I say? How do I do this? How do I phrase that? When's the right time? And you're looking for that right time. And, uh, you know, so we can overthink it. I think growing up in the church, I, I grew up in the church, and so there was a lot of different Evangelism opportunities or witnessing opportunities. I went to a lot of seminars on how to share your faith. And I remember one time we got together, I think it was the youth group got together, and we went out and we did street evangelism. So we had this script that we were supposed to just go up to strangers on the street in our downtown of our city and, and walk around. And, and I don't remember what the script was, but it was just like, I felt like I was peddling Jesus, you know, like I was trying to sell them Jesus on the street. And I remember one guy, Man, we got, him, we got him to pray this prayer of salvation, the sinner's prayer. It was a great day. But for most of it, I was just like, I feel lost. I feel like I don't belong here. This feels strange. This feels awkward. Uh, it feels like I'm a door-to-door salesman. And uh, my dad was a salesman, but I didn't get that gene passed down to me. You know. And some of you are sitting there like, well, I'm not a, this type A personality. Like, how can I, how can I share my faith? So that's the question this morning, is how do we share our faith if you don't have that, you know, door-to-door salesman mentality? Like, how, man, I don't feel gifted in just going up to strangers and telling them about Jesus. So how do, we, how do we share our faith? How do we witness to people if that's just not our gifting or we just have a lot of excuses? And as we look in the book of John this morning, I believe there's a pattern that emerges. And it's a simple way that every single one of us can share our faith whether you're the biggest extrovert the world has ever known or you're an introvert and you don't want to come outside of your house, right? So it doesn't matter which way you are. Uh, I believe this pattern in John emerges to show us how you can share your faith and how you can do it effectively and not have to follow a script or anything like that, but just be yourself. Just be yourself. And in John chapter 1, we see Jesus comes to earth. It talks about uh, the word or Jesus came to this earth. And uh, he was just about to begin his public ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit descended on him. And at that moment, John the Baptist realizes this is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is what I was put on this planet for. Uh, I've been telling everybody the Messiah is coming, and now I've found him. His name is Jesus, and he's going around telling everybody, just saying, Hey, Jesus is the Messiah. This is the man I've been telling you all about. And so uh, he's he's starting his public ministry, so Jesus goes out and he begins calling disciples. He calls uh, Peter, he calls Andrew, and in verse 43, we see the next disciples he's about to call. So that's where I want to start. John chapter 1, verse 43 says this. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So let's break down this passage for just a moment. We've got three characters in this story. You've got Philip and Nathanael, they're friends, and you've got Jesus. All right? So Philip and Nathanael, they know each other uh, if you keep reading, you can kind of learn that they're well-studied in the Old Testament, in the law, and uh, they're interested in finding this Messiah who is to come, who's to be the rescuer. And so one day, Philip is off by himself. They're, they're not together, and Philip encounters Jesus. He meets Jesus, and, and Jesus tells Philip, hey, come follow me. And we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know what else was in that encounter, but it was a powerful enough encounter for Philip to realize Man, this Jesus, he's the real deal. This Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, in this meeting with Jesus, he is so sure that Jesus is the Messiah that he, he goes and he finds his friend Nathaniel and he tells him about Jesus. And, and he tells him this conclusion he's come to, that I met this guy from Nazareth, his name is Jesus, and I'm convinced he is the Messiah. Right. So he, he tells him that. And so like any good friend, Nathaniel responds to Philip with, Criticism and disbelief, right? You got to have friends like that in your life who are just negative about everything, it seems like. And, and that's what Nathaniel was. And he's like, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Nathaniel's read the scriptures. He's a smart guy. He knows that the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth. But rather than argue, Philip simply says, Come and see. Don't believe me? That's fine. Come and see for yourself. So, That's the passage. It's subtle, but I believe, like I said, there's a pattern here that we can pull out, that we can find, and and, uh, there's three steps to this pattern for how we can share our faith, so it's pretty easy to remember. We'll go through them. So the first step, step number one is you got to encounter God. You got to encounter Jesus. That's the very first thing that happened in this passage. Philip encountered Jesus, He encountered Jesus. Again, we don't know all the details of this encounter other than Jesus asked him to follow him, but again, it must have been powerful to convince Philip that he was who he said he was, that he was the son of God. This was the savior he'd waited for his whole life. And and church, if you want to reach the world for Jesus, it starts by having a personal encounter with God Almighty. If you want to reach the world for Jesus, it starts by having a personal encounter with God Almighty. It doesn't come from like this cleverly crafted uh, script that you got. It doesn't come from that. It it doesn't come from a well-executed plan. It starts with a life-changing moment with Jesus. That's how we're going to reach the world. It starts by us having a personal relationship with him and and realizing that that God is the best thing that's ever happened to us. So it's kind of like, if you go back to the, the salesman illustration, it's tough to sell things you don't believe in tough to sell things you don't. I mean, go to like any school fundraiser. I can remember in school we had to sell magazines to people, and they tried to make it really cool by giving you incentives. You know, if you sell this many, then, you know, you can go to the shop and buy this. If you sell this many, you know, you get this new electronics device, you know. It's like, okay, so I want to sell it for that, but as far as the magazines themselves, it was like, here, buy this product. It starts at a low price, but then they'll send you a bill later on when you're not expecting it, you're going to be sad that you ever bought this thing, you know? And so it's just like, this thing feels like a scam. It's hard to sell. But some products that you do believe in, it's easy to sell. Uh, How many of you guys went out to arts in the park the other day? That was a couple weeks ago. It was a good time out there down at Melgard. And uh, I go to arts at the park, and there's a lot of stuff out there that you can go and buy. You know, it's usually pretty expensive. I had my eyes on this cribbage board in the shape of South Dakota. It was a rectangle. Um, And... uh, but I was like, oh, this is cool. And I want to get it? And I flipped over like, I'm not spending $80 on this. I, I can't do that. But then I keep walking down and, and all of a sudden I smelled cinnamon almonds. And like, I mean, if you've smelled it, it's a heavenly aroma, right? So I had to buy some of those. And then I walk a little further down and, and I smell the kettle corn. You know, I had to buy the kettle corn, right? Well, the rest of the day, I felt like I turned into a walking billboard for kettle corn and cinnamon almonds because they tasted so good right? But it wasn't hard to sell. And a little tip, if you're getting the kettle corn, get it filled all the way up to the top. Don't get the tie on it because, I mean, you're going to eat it right away anyways, right? And then by the time you go home, then you can tie it and you still have a full bag. So just told you, I believe in the product. It's a good product, all right? So when you believe in something, it's it's easy to sell. And in the same way, we're not trying to sell Jesus, but if you've had a personal encounter with Jesus, It's easy to talk about Jesus. It's easy to tell your story because you've experienced Jesus. You've experienced the creator of this universe. And you've experienced his love. You've experienced his forgiveness. You've experienced his freedom. But if you've never experienced that before, man, it's really hard to tell people about Jesus. So so we've got to encounter Jesus. I mean, look at the disciples. right? The disciples, they spent three years with Jesus. They spent three years with Jesus and their lives were so changed that they spent the rest of their entire lives telling the world about him. And and history tells us that all but one of the disciples gave their lives telling the world about Jesus. They were that passionate about it. They were that passionate about it. I mean, that doesn't happen because they thought that Jesus was just this, this really good guy or this good teacher. That doesn't happen because they thought Jesus had like a nice way to live. Right? They, they saw everything. They, they saw the, the good and the bad with Jesus and they realized there's no bad. It was just all good. He is who he says he is. He is the son of God. See, they gave their lives. They gave the rest of their lives, the rest of the time of their lives, and literally their life. Because they believed the good news. They believed that Jesus could save people from their sin and they had to get that out. They had to get it out. So a personal encounter is so critical. It's the first step to sharing our faith is to have that personal encounter with Jesus. The second thing is you have to share your story. Share your story. So Philip goes and he finds his friend Nathaniel because he's just had this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he has to tell Nathaniel what he found out. He has to tell him, and he comes to this conclusion, hey, Nathaniel, I have found the Messiah. I found the Messiah. So he shares his story with him, he shares his story. Because your story is powerful. Church, your story is powerful. Your encounter story with Jesus is a powerful story. People can't argue with your story because it's your story. Can't argue with it. They might not believe you. They might criticize you. They can't argue with you. It's your story. It's your story. Your story is powerful. Uh, The other day, I, I needed a vacuum cleaner. So I go on online and I start searching for vacuum cleaners and and of course every vacuum cleaner I found has five-star ratings You know like isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? I didn't believe it for a second, you know So the, what I do is I go down to the bottom of the page and start looking at the reviews not the five-star reviews Those are probably lies as well, but I go to the one-star reviews because I wanted to hear real people's stories of You know did this vacuum cleaner work or not right? and so as you go through all these five-star rated vacuum cleaners you realize a lot of them are just lies because the real people who bought these said, hey, this thing broke down for me in two weeks. This thing didn't work, you know, and those are the stories I begin to trust. Well, finally, I found a vacuum cleaner that said, hey, this one's a good one, right? And even the one star ones were more just like user error if they didn't know how to put the battery in or something, you know, but, uh, you know, it was good reviews. And so we bought it and it worked, you know, because I trusted their stories. Again, stories are powerful. And it's interesting in this text that we read this morning, how Philip shares his story. He doesn't go up to Nathaniel and say, hey, this guy named Jesus told me to follow him, and so I'm doing it, and you should too. He doesn't say that. Instead, he, he shapes his story for his audience. He shapes his story with his audience in mind. He says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, he tells this story with his audience in mind. He knows Nathanael. And again, as we can glean from the rest of his text, Nathanael is well-studied. Nathanael has spent considerable time researching and looking for the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer. And Philip knows this. So Philip shares his story in light of Nathanael's greatest need. He says, I met this man named Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been looking for. He's the one to answer your questions. Maybe you've struggled to bring up Jesus with someone. It could be your neighbor. It could be a family member, a coworker, or a close friend. You know, you've just struggled. You know, when's the right time? How do I bring this up? How How do I share this good news with them? Because you don't want to hurt the relationship. You know, you don't want to, you know, say something funny and then your neighbor doesn't talk to you ever again, or something like that, or you, you hurt a family relationship because you got too pushy or something like that. I've, I've been there. I, I understand. But if you've spent time with them, then you probably know what needs they have. You probably know what their greatest needs are. You know what their, their greatest fears are. And so I, let me say this. Speak to their needs. When you're telling your story, speak to their needs. Because here's the thing. Jesus is the answer. Whatever need they have, Jesus is the answer. So you're not trying to to sell them a product that doesn't work. You're telling them about Jesus, who works every time, who's never failed. So you don't have to worry about, about that, right? Jesus is the answer. So maybe if they've got a health concern... Let them know, hey, Jesus is our healer. If it's a broken relationship, Jesus is our restorer. If it's depression, Jesus gives purpose. Jesus gives hope. If it's an addiction, Jesus provides freedom. So Philip knew that Nathanael's biggest question in life was the Savior. And so that's what Philip spoke to him about. He said, hey, I found the Messiah. That guy you've been looking for, I found him. Let me show you. Let me show you. So share your story. Share your story. And and remember this. I've seen people do this wrong. Make sure you tell the before and the after. Tell them what happened before you met Jesus and tell them what happened after you met Jesus. Right? Show them that transformation. I used to be addicted, but after I met Jesus, he brought me freedom. I I used to be depressed, but after I met Jesus, now I wake up with purpose. Now, Now I have hope. So that's what Philip did. And it's interesting Nathanael's response. He didn't say, like, wow, I can't believe it. You know, take me to him. Instead, he responded with criticism. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Or in other words, I don't believe you. Philip, I don't believe you. It sounds too good to be true. So when you share your story, expect criticism. Expect criticism. Expect pushback. It's going to happen. And that's okay. Embrace criticism. Uh, most people don't like being told how to live their lives. So when you go up and tell them, hey, you've been missing out this whole time. It's been Jesus all along, and uh, you know, your answer was wrong, you know, probably put a little bit more delicately than that. But in the end, you're still telling them, "Like, hey, Jesus is the way, so the way you've been living priorly, uh, prior is the wrong way. And, and so when we start pushing those buttons or sense with, with people, expect that pushback. And this is the reason most people are, are scared to share their faith. Because they're worried about that pushback. They're worried about what that person's going to think about them. Uh, They're worried that it's going to change their relationship. But I love how Philip responds. I love how Philip responds. And this is step three. He simply says, come and see. Come and see. So recap the steps. Number one, encounter God. Number two, share your story. And number three, invite others to come and see. Invite others to come and see. Philip didn't get into an argument. He didn't jump on the defensive. He wasn't critical back. He just said, if you don't believe me, come and see for yourself. Come and check it out. Because church, this is is big. This This is big right here. It's not your job to save anyone. It's not your job to save anyone. That's God's job. Let him do it. Right? Think about your story. Maybe a friend told you about Jesus. Maybe you came to church and a, and a pastor gave a message and you responded. But that friend's not responsible for your salvation. That pastor didn't change your life. They just pointed you to Jesus. And Jesus did the work. Jesus changed your life. And it's the same as true. When we're, we're sharing our faith, it's not up to us to make them come to faith in Christ. We're just there to point them in the right direction. Let's let God change them. Because he can do a lot better job changing their life than we can. A lot better, right? And and so let's point them to Jesus. So in your conversations, share your story and invite them to come and see. Invite them to to come to church with you. Invite them to come to church with you. Uh, Give them a Bible verse. Say, hey, look up this Bible verse. This was helpful for me. So you invite them to open up their Bible. Uh, I love seeing, we've got, Pastor Ryan was sharing earlier with Mega Sports Camp, we've got over 70 kids coming, and half of them, uh, you know, have never been here before. We don't know their names. And that's because you went out and you said, hey, come and see. Come and see. We've got something great going on. Uh, something you've got to come and check it out for yourself. So there's like over 30 kids that have never been in the doors of this church before who get to hear about Jesus. And it's just this invitation to come and see. And here's the thing, if, Drew, if, if Jesus truly is who he says he is, if you truly believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you can rest assured that you are leaving that person in the best hands possible, right? That he's going to come through on your promise of come and see for yourself. This is life changing. So let me tell you the rest of the story that happens in verse 47, if you're still there. It says this, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, An Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And we'll pause there for a moment. So Nathanael takes Philip up on his invitation, and he goes goes to see Jesus. And even before he gets to Jesus, Jesus sees him, Jesus goes towards him, and he says, Look, there's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael's just kind of like taken aback, like, what's, what's going on? Oh, this is that Jesus that Philip was telling me about. And, and he says, how do you, how do you know me? And he says, I saw you while you are still under the fig tree. And in that day, that's kind of like a saying. Under the fig tree was a saying. That was the place where people studied the law, and probably because it provided shade. And, and so what he was saying is, I saw you studying. I, I saw you there. And I realize, Nathaniel, that you're a man who's got a pure heart. You're a man who wants to know the answers. You're you're a man who is a true Israelite. And this spoke so deeply to Philip, right? Because Jesus saw him in this place where he brought his anxieties, where he brought his fears, where he brought his questions, where he didn't let anybody else in. This was his time, uh, you know, to research. This was his time to pursue God. And Jesus said, "I, I saw you in that place. I've been there with you. I understand that. And it spoke to Nathanael on a level that no one else has ever spoken to him before. And in verse 49, it goes on and says Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So he already realizes this Messiah Philip told me about is real. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these, and he said to him, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man." So again, Nathaniel declares Jesus as Lord, and he's like, "Wow, you you know me that well already, right? I believe you're the Messiah." And Jesus is like, "If you believe just because of that, you haven't seen anything yet. There's a lot more in store for you, Nathaniel. Uh, you know, and, and so this was a powerful time, a life-changing time." But remember, Nathaniel never comes to Jesus unless Philip encounters Jesus and Philip shares his story, and Philip says, "Come and see for yourself," because Nathaniel was in disbelief. Nathaniel didn't believe it until Philip went through all those steps. So, what would it look like if, like Philip, we started doing these three things—to encounter God, and then to share our story, and to invite others to come and see? Right? Sharing our story it doesn't require a script. You don't even need a little tract or anything like that. You simply are yourself. You simply share your story and invite them to come and see. Like I said earlier, this is a pattern. We don't just see it in John chapter 1. Uh, In John chapter 4, we see it as well. Uh, It's the story of the woman at the well. She's kind of an outcast of society. Uh, She's coming out to the well to get water in the middle of the day when nobody else is out there. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along. And there's an encounter. This woman has a bunch of questions for Jesus, and, and she begins to realize this isn't an ordinary guy. Uh, you know, this is, this is a prophet. He starts to tell her things that nobody else knew about her. He begins to tell her things that he shouldn't have known, but he's God. And he begins to unpack that, and at the end of their conversation, he, he lets her know, that Messiah you're looking for, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And she has a powerful encounter with Jesus. And then in verse 28, it says this, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Christ? So she shares her story. She tells everybody, hey, I found this guy. He's out at the well. He knows things he shouldn't. He's telling me all these things. I think this is the Messiah. I think this is the one we've been waiting for. And then she says, Come and see for yourself, right? She wasn't the most popular person. She was at the bottom of the totem pole in in that community. But yet she went and just shared her story. She shared her story. And people listened to her. And they said, come and see. Come and see for yourself. So that's what the people did. They went out to Jesus. And then in verse 39, here's what happened next. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. I mean, that's incredible. It's the same response. The woman didn't have to save them. She just invited them to come and see. And now they're saying, hey, we don't believe just because of what you said. We believe because we experience Jesus ourselves. We experience Jesus ourselves. And, And that's what I love. Like, think about this. One moment, one moment that you have in the presence of God, one encounter with Jesus, this one moment that she had with Jesus, because she shared her story, turned into a whole city getting saved. That one moment turned into a movement. Man, I'm praying that over Aberdeen. I'm praying that over our city. I'm praying that over our communities. That one moment at an altar here at AFA, or one moment that you spend with God, maybe it's on the road, maybe it's at your house, could turn into a movement because you go back and you share your faith with your friends, with your family, with your community. And now they have to come and see for themselves. And it's nothing that we did, but it's everything that God does. We're just being faithful. That one moment can turn into a movement. That's not the last time. So John chapter 9. So you you see it in John 1, you see it in John 4, and in John 9 as well. In John chapter 9, there is uh, Jesus is walking down the street with his disciples, and they encounter a man born blind. And uh, the disciples are kind of asking questions. They're trying to figure out, why is this guy blind? And and Jesus comes up to him, and uh, this is a really fun story. He spits on the ground, he makes some mud, and he puts it on the man's eyes. Everybody's probably like laughing around, and he's just like, what? What's going on? You know, He, he doesn't see what's going on. And, and, and so Jesus tells him, go and wash. Go and wash. So he goes off, he washes his eyes, and all of a sudden he's healed. Like what an encounter, right? He meets Jesus, and Jesus heals him completely. He can see for the first time in his life. And because he can do that, he's excited. He is excited. He's running off, and he's telling everybody, He's telling his whole community, like, hey, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Eventually, the religious leaders of that time, they heard about it, and they were not happy because they didn't want Jesus to have a bigger following than they did. So they pull this guy in, and they start questioning him, and they start you know, making sure, like, are you sure it was Jesus who healed you? Are you, are you sure that it was? And he's like, I'm 100% sure. And eventually, he got annoyed with their questions, and he's just like, You're asking so many questions about Jesus. Do you guys want to be his disciples? Do you want to meet him too? Right? So the same pattern. He has an encounter with Jesus. He starts sharing his story. And then he invites them to come and see for themselves. Don't believe me? Come and see. Come and see. See, church, we have the greatest message and the greatest news we could ever share. We have Jesus, the answer to everything. The answer to everything. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And earlier in John chapter 1, in the first few verses, again, it talks about the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. us. Jesus put flesh on. He became human and he dwelt among us. And And it says that to those who receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the right to eternal life. That's good news. He came, and he lived a perfect life, and he wasn't deserving of death, but he died on a cross for our sins. He took our punishment, and he rose again so that we could have victory with him as well. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you've never had that first encounter, then in just a moment I would like to invite you to do so. Because again, that's that's the greatest thing you can do is give your life to Jesus. Have that first encounter with Jesus. And maybe in this place you've accepted Jesus, uh, but that doesn't mean that that has to be your last encounter or your only encounter. In fact, we're invited to seek him every single day. It doesn't have to be in this place. Uh, For the man born blind, he was out on a road somewhere. For Philip, again, he was just walking in town. He wasn't at the temple. The, The woman, she was at the well. You know, So this was just everyday life that these people were living when they encountered Jesus. And the same is true for us. We can encounter Jesus every day. A great place to do it is at these altars, but it doesn't have to be here. It can be anywhere because Jesus doesn't just reside here, but he's all around us. The Holy Spirit is always there, and we can seek him at any time, in any place. So we need to encounter God. We need to encounter God. You can't skip that step. It all starts with that one. But after that, you have to be yourself. You have to be real. You have to have real conversations with people. When you hear that they're hurting or that you're feeling lost, remember that you have the answer. Share your story. You don't have to be pushy. You don't need a script. You just need an encounter. Share your story and invite them to come and see. Invite them to come and see. Uh, I love just, uh, see, it was a week and a half ago. We were sitting around the campfire out back here with the youth group. Uh, they had just gone through camp season, and so we called it Campfire Stories. And uh, we're sitting around, and it was fun just seeing the students' faces light up as they began to share their encounter with Jesus and what God did in their lives at camp. It was so powerful hearing. Uh, man, when somebody, when you get healed, you just can't help but tell people, right? Uh, When you get saved, we, we heard stories of people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was just incredible to hear their testimonies. So when you encounter God, don't keep it to yourself. Share the good news. Share the good news. And then invite people to come and see and let Jesus do what only he can do, change their lives. You know, our vision statement here at AFA is to love God, love people, and share Christ. We're passionate about sharing Christ. We're passionate about sharing Christ. But that doesn't just come from a pulpit, that comes from all of us in this community. We share our story, we share Christ. Again, we've got Mega Sports Camp coming up. So many of you are serving in that. And and that's what we're signing up for so we can share Christ with our community. And, And again, it doesn't have to be just an event but it can be uh, at work tomorrow. It can be at a grocery store. Uh, It can be around a family table. Share Christ. Share that story. Share that story. So would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close our time here. And uh, these altars are open. These altars will always be open. So I I encourage you, you you can seek Jesus here at the close. We won't close the doors on you or anything like that. Uh, but also, you can see Jesus when you go home today. Don't let it stop here. Don't let it stop here. Encounter Jesus, share your story, and invite him to come and see. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, God, I thank you that you've called each one of us. You've given each one of us the skills to tell the world about Jesus. We don't have to be a certain personality type. We don't have to have the right words all the time. We just need to be ourselves. Just like Philip was when he shared with Nathaniel. Just like the woman at the well was when she shared with her community. Just like the man freshly healed and no longer blind did with the religious leaders of that time. Just told their stories and invited them to come and see. So God, I pray this morning that we would remove excuses from sharing our faith. And God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit that you give us the boldness to get out there and tell the world about Jesus, to fulfill that great commission, to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation because that's what it's all about. So Lord, give us the words, give us the story, give us the encounters to tell about that every day we'd have something new, something new to share because we spent time in the presence of God. So God, I I pray that you would challenge us as we leave this morning not to be pushy, not to sell you, but but man, to tell the great news, the world about Jesus, and invite them to come and see. We pray that you would take moments in our lives and you turn them into movements. Oh, God. God, we pray for Aberdeen. We pray for the surrounding communities. Lord, that you would just start a revival in the city. God, that people would know you, people who are broken, people who are hurting, would find salvation in you, would find hope in you, would find a plan in you, would find freedom in you. We need you, Jesus. Empower us today to go and change this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you this morning. Again, these altars are open. I encourage you, go and share your faith this week. Be blessed, church.